So this session I'm going to um, talk and demonstrate some practices, themes around the motif, the idea of balance, maintaining, finding, establishing, maintaining balance. It's a pretty simple concept uh, that you probably immediately, oh yeah, and yet it's, um, I think it's, it's, when you talk about mental balance, it's extremely profound and extremely uh, precarious at times. Mm. We live in a world of push and pull and spin and and sink and flounder and reach and rush forward and and there's floods and experience wash over us or wells up through us internally and externally. How to maintain balance afloat in all that or is there a way out of that? Uh, And naturally I suppose um, one immediate reaction would be how to get out of all this. Uh, And that leads to a certain kind of pressure and search. Uh, And the, I kind of like slightly ironic, but um, the teaching actually says not quite. There is an escape, but it's not through going out. It's somehow through finding a center within all this. There's a quiet, center within all this, like the eye of the hurricane, you could say. Now the, uh, which we can't, we don't normally detect it. And we certainly, our our habits and our customs and our conditioning is certainly not to follow that, it's to follow the pushes and the pulls and the possibilities and the could-be's and next thing and well, you know, the constant self-referencing and critiquing going on that just keeps us tottering and teetering around in doubt and ideas and opinions and stuff like that. Mm. Once again, the, you know, just put it very uh, fundamentally, you know, the Buddha taught the middle way. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's the epitome, you know, so this is not mediocrity. <laughs> it's not a moderate amount of greed. <laughs> it's the middle way. Is, is somewhere, and the the uh, sense of this is that what we're experiencing are various tides and floods and currents, and there's a sort of a somewhere in the in the middle of that between one thing going one way and going another way. There's a balance point, which we're not compelled. We're not pushed and we're not pulled, we're poised. And that poise we can then with a conscious inflection think, okay, this feels skillful, then we can move. Yeah. Or this does not feel suitable at this time, then we let it drop, we let the wave move through us mm. and don't follow it. That's pragmatic. Uh, pragmatic and down to earth. And uh, user-friendly and ideally something that you can bear as a theme of practice and get some guidance on in your day, daily life. Mm. So I'd like to also um, 
float or put on hold or question the idea of meditation. Uh, I imagine most of us will imagine sense meditation is a kind of very internal process and we want the outside to sort of not be there and go within and there's, that's uh, reasonable. And yet how much time can you spend in there? And when you go in, do you find uh, there's also an inner uh, pushes and pulls and tides and vortexes that are going on, probably just rep, you know, equally turbulent as the external. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, how do we find, you're trying to calm it all down, quiet it all down, soothe it, steady it. Again, not unskillful, skillful, helpful, and yet to what extent is that sustainable? And does it leave one rather at odds with the situations where we have to get engaged and active and go out in terms of action and sight and sound and doing things and planning things? Yeah. So where's the, you could say, where's the middle between, you know, calm and frenzy? Is there a balancing point? Mm -hmm. Or could that quality of calm not so much work on objects such as external or internal, but on velocity? That is, how to move moderately, steadily, without tearing yourself apart. How to rest poised, not flattened, or retracted, or defensive, how to rest within conditions. Mm. Yeah, this is, um, mm. this is subtle, but also um, necessary. And uh, there are obvious ways to get a sense of that. Now, when we uh, <coughs> consider meditation, I meant naturally we would think of the mind, the mind which is agitated and you know seeks resolutions and feels distressed and seeks peace and happiness. You might say that's the heart. You know, so just the heart psyche, uh, which is beset by thoughts and memories of that this aspect, which is actually twofold. There's a heart which is emotional, receptive, sensitive, and there's a thinking mind which is fundamentally uh, productive, organizes ideas, futures, calendars, dates. It's, it's an organizer. Yeah. And they're just busy organizing. You have a heart which it doesn't organize, it just feels. It feels and it senses and it gets shaken and trembles and also gets joyful. And that's the, that's the fundamental, if you like call it an organ, that's the organ that gets released. <coughs> and gets, uh, that's where your happiness and unhappiness occurs rather than in the thinking, organizing mind. <coughs> so we try to put that to the fore. And it's a very simple... Um, connection or thing to remember is your heart can can follow your mind as you can get very uh, affected 
by what you think, what you speak, what other people think and speak, and what's on the, in the media. This is all thoughts, ideas, concepts, symbols, abstractions, you know, images of what's happening in the rest of the world, graphs of what the future will be like, spreadsheets of the economy, analysis of the politics. This is all it's abstract. It's, and we, we absorb all that. And the heart connects to that organizing thinking mind, takes it in and gets, wow, there's a lot going on. And having spent 10 minutes reading the paper, I'm already overwhelmed. I actually have just sat here and already I'm feeling stirred through following the mind or not having any separation from the mind. The heart follows the mind. And the mind isn't about balance. Mind isn't about, it's about creating and organizing and analyzing. That's its job. You can't find balance in your mind. Find views, opinions, ideas, ideologies, but you can't find the experience of balance, which is balance is the experience of there's no pressure, no push, no pull, no coming, no going, no weight. Now the heart, so that doesn't happen in the mind, does it? Does it? Generally what happens in the mind is another thought. And, uh, oh, that's a nice idea. And there's a movement towards that idea. And that's the mind. It's, that's what it does. Mm. Now the heart can also follow the body which um, is perhaps something we need to remember and bear in mind. Mm. What does that mean? It means you can sense, you can feel whether you're relaxed or not relaxed. Whether you're tense, or not tense, whether even there in your body or out in some idea, whether you're in your body at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. You say, well, of course I'm in a body, but really? How do you know that? So the heart can feel that sense of, oh yes, I'm definitely present, there's presence, with these bodily textures of warmth and fluidity and pressure, energies moving around. And that's where you can find bodies know, know very well how to find balance. That's almost their primary job. Yeah. If you walk down the street, your body is not concerned with the shops, the cars, the traffic, where you're going, how long they time, what time of day it is. What you, it's not concern, all it's concerned with as you walk down the street is don't fall over. <laughs> That's its job. 
lift one leg off the ground, put it in front of you. The body knows how to do that. The mind knows the rest of it. The body doesn't care where you're walking, just as long as you don't fall over. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you can walk fast or slow, you could run, yeah. but your body always maintains, make sure this thing doesn't fall over and get damaged. So it, it knows very well balance. And when the heart comes into that, the heart also, oh yes, there's that poised state. Not this, not that, not forward, not backward. Call it here. We might call it here now. We might call it awareness. We might call it presence. How's that? Referring to that. Referring to that, or beginning to at least look out for that, you might begin to acknowledge what are the kind of tides and pressures that throw me out of this, throw my heart out of this. What's the uh, constrictions that keep me holding on? Not, Not poised and light, but clamped. You know, so I'm kind of holding my own, holding myself to maintain some steadiness. I'm not balanced, I'm just constricted, tight, defended mm. yeah. against fear, chaos, overwhelm, <clears throat> being pushed around. So we can, yeah. That's not balanced, that's clamped. Mm. Mm. And in the, this is quite un, not uncommon, yeah, because it's a defence against the amount of stuff we might feel we have to deal with, or the people we feel we have problems with, or the day which seems so complex, we tend to clamp up. Uh, yeah. And in clamping up, we lose the subtlety, the sensitivity of balance the fluidities of it. Mm. Now, you know, if you ask a, a you know, tightrope walker, for example, how to maintain balance, one thing for sure is they don't clamp up. Because if they do, they fall off. Absolutely. You know, it's got to be, because in the, in the clamping, you lose the bodily awareness, the bodily sensitivity that can subtly adjust posture. Right? Tightrope has got to stay loose in order to maintain that, that poise on, on the rope, on the line. Otherwise they tighten up with fear or got to get to the end of the, got to get to the other side, hurry, they're going to fall off. They've got to maintain that lightness, poise. That's skill. Because if we have to work with the understandable anxiety that life brings to us, mm-hmm understandable anxiety, uh, understandable uh, holding on in, the, in a field of anxiety. Things are not certain, I'd better make sure I've got all my stuff together. Mm. Mm. Understandable impulsiveness. Let's rush to get to that quiet place just a few, a few feet away or, a few, or an hour away. Let's rush to get to that place where I can feel 
steady, understandable. Absolutely understandable, but it doesn't, it's not the middle way. It's not the way of poise. It's the way of reaction. Mm. Mm. I imagine most of you, many of you, do some form of what we call meditation. That's great, because you have, do you learn how to uh, sustain attention, focus attention, sustain attention. This is very necessary. You learn to, uh, meditation, you learn how to be patient, you, know, you know, learn how to be kind or a little more kindly, take your time. Yeah. Yeah. You learn how to withdraw from unskillful, unnecessary ideas and impulses, you learn all that. And you probably feel you don't do enough of it because you don't have the time or you're not very good at it because your mind always wanders, distracted. Why is there so much distraction? And what's the best response to that distraction? Sense of, got to do this, got to plan that, got to cook this, got to fix that, remember so and so. Is that distraction or is that things like... There will always be this, this, this experience of something welling up. You know, externally, sounds, sights, events, internally, memories, plans, you know, so forth. There will always be this welling up. So if we really acknowledge that, as that could be almost the, uh, your meditation experience, is of trying to get some calm and steadiness with all kinds of things welling up. Mm-hmm. And that may have been going on for five years, ten years, twenty years, one day it will all quiet down, thirty years, one day it will all quiet down, <laughs> forty years, it's not going to quiet <laughs> The world is not going to go away. After about 35 to 40 years, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> what if I stop doing this thing of labeling this stuff as distraction <laughs> and fighting with it? Uh, is it possible to stay balanced within that? So you kind of begin to widen, widen your awareness almost against all your logic to actually include the distracted state include it, not to fondle it or rejoice in it or that, and then rather like you know, the Buddha gave, but then, you know, there's that, there's that. Now the Buddha once gave an image of uh, someone practicing mindfulness and they say this person, you, you uh, they stand and you get them to put it to put a bowl of oil on your head. Now you want to walk through that crowd of people. And walk through that crowd of people. If you drop a single drop of oil from that bowl, the person walking behind you with a sword is going to cut your head off. 
It's an image. There's people milling around. It says in just in front of you, there's going to be a dancing girl. You, you lose one drop of oil, your head comes off. So what do you think? What would be the way to do that? Do you think he'd be completely ignoring the crowd because they might be getting in his way? Or I think he'd be noticed them peripherally as that. And you've got to steer through that crowd of people. Steer through them without giving them focusing on them. So there's a light peripheral sense. There's awareness of this person dancing in front. You know that's happening, but you also you're not drawn into that. So you get awareness of peripheral, yeah, acknowledging but the peripheral sense of, of phenomena, and by not fighting it, not tangling with it, not getting irate about it, not getting fascinated by it, being cool about that. The energy of the heart settles and becomes quiet and does not clamp on the act of holding the basin. It doesn't. It lets the body hold the basin of oil. The heart is just listening to all of it. Not holding on to the peripheral and not holding on to the center. If you've done this, you've got it. You've established proper mindfulness. <laughs> Whereas we might assume that proper mindfulness is to completely ignore the crowds and just focus internally. So notice the boundaries of attention the focusing agent is, can be permeable. You, you notice things, but your aim, your intentionality is to maintain balance. Not to even absorb into some quality internally. Not to absorb into the breathing or a sensation. Because you do that, you might also lose the basin. To, you know, instead, may find the balance and absorb into the sense of balance. Mm-hmm. And then, so this is where sati matures into samadhi, into collectedness, full collectedness. Mm-hmm. If we can maintain, we get a feeling for that, then of course when the crowds disappear and the dancer goes away, we can sit and... What's happened? The the very structuring of the heart and the mind has changed. We're no longer holding onto internally, externally, instead there's a poise within that. So, as I say, the body can do this fairly well, 
with some careful practice. The heart learning that being to have confidence, there is such a thing, what it feels like. What it feels like. And that, 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 no pressure, that no push, no pull, that no clamping, no holding, no, no defending, uh, no claiming. It's not, oh, I've got this, no, no claiming. That's another clamp. <laughs> no future, no, how long is this going to last? No, that's another one. That's another push. Just, just you know, how does it feel? How does it feel? How does it feel? Mm. You're really getting the sense of how it feels. You're noticing, actually, this is the real. The rest of it is imagined. The rest of our experience is imagined. We imagine a future. We imagine a past. We imagine other people. We imagine what's going to happen. We imagine ourselves. We imagine of what we should be, could be. We imagine what we were. We imagine what other people think of us. We imagine how we're going to deal with it. It's all imagination. Mm. Intricate and earnestly confabulated in order to deal with an imaginary world, we become an imaginary person. To deal with an imaginary world. Mm. And what's that feel like? Uh, spinning, moving, shifting, surging, uh, unsteady, tottering, weaving, ducking, holding. How does that feel? You feel that movement of it. There's no kind of moral blame about this, it's just recognize these different textures, different quality to these territories, we come into the imagined, it's always becoming, about to be something else. It's flavoured with becoming. It's always about to become something. Something that I could, should, would, would, might happen, might not happen, better make sure. It's always becoming something. It never arrives anywhere. It just moves to the next becoming. I've got here, and now I'll do this. I've done that, and now I'll get to the next. I've got here, oh, the next thing will happen. Better prepare for it. That's its its flavor. Good, bad, skillful, well-meaning, frightened, nervous. That's its its flavor. Becoming. And it's constantly breaking up to the next presentation. There's that. We know this very well. So familiar to where are we with this that it, we become mesmerized by it to this is the real thing. This is the reality because everybody else is doing it too. Every message I get tells me this. Do this and you'll be happy. You will become this. Don't do this and you might become that. If you do this, you'll never have to deal with that. And it doesn't work. <laughs> and we think, oh, because I got on the wrong bus. No, because there are no buses that go, the buses don't go there. <laughs> this is the end of the line, is the real. 
And uh, this is what the, you know, the Buddha was trying to encourage us to navigate our way to the cessation of the imagined. Less thing in the real. And in practical terms, this is a matter of finding that middle way, that balancing, that uh, sense of presence mm. within an imagined, provocative, evocative, compelling dream called me and my world. Because these effects of the uh, imagined, the conditioned, perhaps if you feel imagined is too dreamy, it's not a dream. Well, it's a dream, but it's a very uh, logically constructed uh, conditionality. Uh, This becomes absolutely embedded, uh, even at a kind of physiological level. Uh, a somatic physiological level, the message gets embedded there. So it, our emotions and our psychologies begin with very fundamental reflexes. So fundamental we, we don't even recognize them as such. Mm. Which perhaps the most fundamental is there is such a thing as an internal and an external. Sights are out there, and thoughts are in me. Sights are out there, sounds are out there, and thoughts are inside. There's an inner, there's an outer. Mm -hmm. Uh, No. (laughs) Where's the boundary between the inner and the outer? Mm. When I see something, Consciousness presents a subject, me, object, you. That's what it presents. But clearly, that's that's uh, conditioning. Mm. And all we all occurs is a visual experience that says that's out there. It's here. It arises. If it was out there, then how would it, why would it affect me in here? How does it get in? Through my eyes? Through the eyeballs or what? Mm. I'll close my eyes, it's not there, but then it goes to the hearing. Do I live on the skin, my eardrums? Where's where's the boundary? If it's out there, you wouldn't feel anything, would you? If it's completely out there, you wouldn't feel it. If it's completely in here, then 
to be <laughs> to be no contact with anything. A fish doesn't feel water. It's completely out there. It wouldn't affect you. If it was completely in here, then there would be any contact. Contact means something touches something. It's a duality. Right? And the duality is the effect of impressions touching the heart that says that's out there, that's in here. Mm. So in the middle, we recognize this contact. Contact. Something is stirring. Interest, uncertainty, happiness, agitation, view, opinions, buckling, at at a point of contact. Impressions, sense impressions touching the heart. As we know, the senses can play tricks with us. Hallucinations. Hear a sound. Is that a dog barking, or is it a machine? Some some telephone going off, or is it just something I'm making up in my head? So we put all these things just uh, on hold. Not certain. Not sure. What is sure? What is certain is being affected, being affected, being stirred, being shaken, being feeling happy, feeling calm. That's what. That's where we can focus on that. The rest of it, you just maybe so. For now, and this is where we touch into that because that's the that's the area, that's the domain in which you can begin to steady those contact reactions and responses and find a calming effect, a clarifying effect, and find your balance, find your balance. This is a feeling, an energy shifting. What is it that feels energy shift and move and surge? How is that known? It can only be known by something that's not shifting and moving. 